This podcast is brought to you by Facebook. Facebook is strengthening security during elections by increasing political ad transparency, blocking fake accounts before they have a chance to do harm, and reducing the spread of false news. Learn more at facebook.com slash action plan. From Washington, this is the CQ Budget Podcast, your leading Capitol Hill source on how Congress allocates federal taxpayer dollars. Hey, everyone, and welcome to the CQ Budget Podcast. I'm your host this week, Jennifer Shutt. We are here to talk about the deficit numbers that came out last week and then the reaction that we saw both from the White House and from congressional leaders on the Hill. And joining me today to talk about all of that and what it really means going forward is CQ senior budget reporter Paul Krawczak and Roll Call senior Senate leadership reporter Niels Lesniewski. Thank you for having me. And thanks for having me, too. So last week, the Trump administration announced that the deficit for fiscal 2018, which wrapped up at the end of September, was $779 billion. That is the largest deficit we've seen in six years, and it was a $113 billion increase over the previous fiscal year. And that led to a lot of reactions. One of the biggest ones coming from the White House, during a cabinet meeting last week, President Trump said that he was going to request all of his cabinet secretaries when they submit their fiscal 2020 budget request to reduce their spending by 5%. Now, we don't know exactly what that means, whether or not that's a 5% reduction over the current fiscal year spending levels or whether he wants that to be 5% below the already lower spending levels that the BCA cap would potentially have in place for fiscal year 2020. We also don't know whether or not he wants that to apply to the Department of Defense. I would like you to come back with a uh, 5% cut. Uh, Get rid of the fat. Get rid of the waste. And I'm sure you can do it. I'm sure everybody at this table can do it. It'll have a huge impact. Last budget, we had to go because of the military. We had to fix our military. Our military is in the process of being fixed. Planes are being made. Boats are being made. Ships are being made. Missiles, rockets, everything. So there's a lot of unanswered questions that we have going into that fiscal 2020 process. So, Niels, how did this sort of land on Capitol Hill? And whether do you think that this 5% budget cut is actually going to come through in the appropriations process? Well, Jen, the short answer is... I don't think it's going to happen in the appropriations process anytime soon. There may be some opportunity for Republicans to make some cutbacks if they manage to hold on to the House uh, next year. Uh, But certainly, if you're looking at a uh, situation as we seem to be, where there is a uh, rather high likelihood that... uh, Nita Lowy from New York is going to be the chairwoman of the House Appropriations Committee. Uh, If that's the case, then, you know, we're not going to be in a situation where we're going to be talking about large cuts to domestic discretionary programs. Uh, And so it's really hard to figure out where this 5% would come from. Paul, were you surprised when President Trump sort of laid out this 5%, I think what he's calling a nickel plan? Was that something that sort of came out of left field or is that something we've heard about before? Um, So it's not really a surprise because, I mean, he has been proposing budgets which have um, asked for much lower non-defense spending than than Congress is is willing to to live with. But, But I guess another way to think about this is that 
we are living with a budget deal which raised the discretionary spending caps for 2018 and 2019. Now, next year, whoever controls Congress, um, they're probably going to be looking at another budget deal, maybe another two-year budget deal, because if they don't have another budget deal to raise these spending caps, we are going to see a big decrease in defense spending and a big decrease in non-defense spending. So it's almost a given that that Congress will do another spending deal next year and raise spending. And so what does that mean for a 5% cut? Well, you know, President Trump may propose a lean budget next year, which maybe it will be even leaner than the, bu- the most previous, most recent budget that he proposed. But the last budget really, I mean, those spending levels did not go anywhere. And presumably, whatever he proposes next year, if it's, if it's in the same league, um, I mean, Congress will go beyond that with, with spending and probably with a budget deal, too. Right. And then one of the things that we're also looking at when we talk about this budget deal is, of course, the 2011 Deficit Reduction Law known as the Budget Control Act. That sets discretionary spending caps through the end of fiscal year 2021. And so if there isn't some type of congressional budget deal before then, spending would decrease pretty substantially um, without a spending agreement. It would be lowered for non-defense by $55 billion and for defense discretionary by $71 billion for fiscal 2020 compared to the current spending levels that we have for fiscal 2019. Exactly. So clearly, whether Republicans or Democrats or a combination control Congress next year, they are going to want to pursue a budget deal. And President Trump will likely support a budget deal if only to increase defense spending. President Trump had said uh, during this uh, gathering at the White House that he was looking at something on the order of $700 billion for the defense number, which, while it would be a reduction from where we are in FY19, I I believe it's pretty clear that would be higher than uh, what we would be dealing with if we went back to the caps. Yeah, it would be substantially higher. I think the cap for defense discretionary is, what, $576 billion for fiscal 2020? You're not going to be building the, the whole new Navy that uh, President Trump envisions uh, with that number coming into effect. And, I mean, it's hard for me to imagine that, that President Trump would really go along with less spending for defense next year than we have this year. I mean, despite what he's saying about $700 billion, it's hard to imagine that he would really go along with the cut. But we'll see. And we'll be back right after this short break to talk about entitlement spending. Facebook's growing team of experts are dedicated to strengthening security during election season and beyond. One way they're doing this is by using artificial intelligence to proactively block fake accounts before they have a chance to do harm. Learn more about their ongoing efforts at facebook.com slash action plan. Welcome back. We are still here on the CQ Budget Podcast, and we are here to talk about one of the other big things that came after those deficit levels were released last week by the Trump administration. That is, of course, Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell's comments about Medicare, Medicaid, and Social Security. In an interview with Bloomberg, he said that not addressing entitlement programs and their solvency is one of the biggest disappointments of his time in Congress. I have to ask you about the national debt. $21 trillion, Mm -hmm. the deficit $779 billion, some predicting that could reach a trillion 
in 2019. What's going on with the debt? It's very disturbing, and it's, it's driven by the three big entitlement programs that are very popular, Medicare, Social Security, and Medicaid. That's 70% of what we spend every year. Uh, there's been a bipartisan reluctance to tackle entitlement changes because of the popularity of those uh, programs. Uh, hopefully, at some point here, uh, we'll get serious about this. We haven't been yet. Um, and a lot of people sort of jumped on his comments. There was a lot of campaigning and fundraising off of what he said. And of course, one of the important things to point out with that Bloomberg interview is that McConnell said that he thinks that changing these programs, Medicare, Medicaid, and Social Security, needs to take place in a bipartisan way in a divided government. So you mean to tell me that we need to have a grand bargain? I feel like I'm having terrible flashbacks to, to just a few years ago when when John Boehner was in the Speaker's office. So, Niels, what do you think this means for the next session of Congress, potentially if Democrats do have the House and then Republicans have the Senate and the White House? Do you think that there could be some type of grand bargain? That's always the time when it can come about, when there is a different party in power in the uh, the White House uh, from at least one of the chambers on, on Capitol Hill but it's really hard to foresee a scenario in which House Democrats, let's say they're in the majority, and, and, and for argument's sake, let's say Nancy Pelosi is the speaker, uh, I think it's going to be difficult to be in a world in which uh, Pelosi believes that she can trust uh, Donald Trump or Mick Mulvaney, the OMB director, or whomever is uh, delegated to the responsibility for negotiating a grand bargain. And this is not like the situation during the Obama years where Mitch McConnell felt that he could deal with Joe Biden because they had known each other for so long. I don't know who exactly in the Trump administration is going to be the person that the House Democrats think they can trust. And one of the other issues that Leader McConnell brought up during that interview is, of course, when President Trump was campaigning for office, he made very clear statements that he didn't want to change Medicare, Medicaid, and Social Security. We know that Office of Management and Budget, Budget Director Mick Mulvaney, a former Republican congressman from South Carolina, has been trying to encourage the president to look at some of the sort of structural issues with those entitlement programs. But it sounds like, Paul, for this the rest of Trump's term in office, however long that may be, it sounds like he really doesn't want to do any type of changes to those programs. Is that your sense? Yeah, he's been pretty clear about not cutting benefits. Now, during the campaign, he said he would not cut benefits in Social Security, Medicare, or Medicaid. And then he did change his position on Medicaid. He supported the Republican plan to uh, to change the 2010 uh, health care law. That would have made changes in Medicaid. So Trump um, changed his position there. But in terms of the basic benefits uh, paid by Social Security and Medicare, um, I mean, he's stuck pretty closely to his promise not to make those cuts. So certainly that makes it even harder for anybody to try to, you know, propose an overhaul of those programs when you have a Republican president who's against it. Um, and you can even look to the, I mean, the Republican House did pass that health care plan, which would have made some big changes in, in Medicaid. It would have allowed uh, states to take Medicaid as, as a block grant, and it would have 
gotten rid of some, uh, a lot of the Medicaid expansion from the health care law. The Republican House passed that, but that could not even pass in the, in the Senate. Even under the you know, expedited reconciliation procedures, you had three Republicans who voted against that in the Senate. So, so you could not even get enough support from Republicans in the Senate for that, that plan. And, and at the risk of bringing uh, up the ghost of Robert Byrd here, uh, the, Senate, the Senate's rules under reconciliation don't even allow you to change Social Security materially. So when you're talking about even possibly doing an entitlement uh, overhaul through the reconciliation process, uh, there's that giant chunk of it that's, that is Social Security uh, that would be off the table. So what does this all mean? Is Congress actually going to approach the deficit or entitlement programs any differently during the next session of Congress? Really, no. And I think that what you might see is, as we have seen in the past, uh, some little nips and tucks around the edges to create a little extra space for discretionary spending as part of making another budget deal. Uh, But really... More likely than not, that's going to be uh, basically amount to a rounding error when it comes to the the long-term costs of of Medicare and and Social Security and Medicaid. I I agree with that, but I mean, I think that um, because Republicans got the tax cut enacted and because the deficit is going up so precipitously, I think Republicans may turn their focus again to the deficit next year. Where that will lead us, who knows? But I mean, there might be a little bit more spending restraint next year compared to this year. Or you could always unwind the tax cuts, which is probably what Nancy Pelosi would be suggesting to Mitch McConnell if they have a, a bipartisan discussion about this, which is partly why it probably won't go anywhere. All right. Always great to have you guys on the podcast. Niels Lesniewski and Paul Krawczak, thanks for joining me today. Thank you. Thanks. And thank you for joining us. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, NPR One, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And please rate us on iTunes. For more on this and other stories, visit RollCall.com or find us on Twitter at CQNow or at RollCall. Call.